Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cheddar Toys podcast, Grapple Arcade on bbgwrestling.com. I'm Fox. Uh, this is the crown to my King Haku's skull. The brown, foisty tunic to my berserker. <laughs> and the sharp tip at the end of his sword. It's Pablo. Hello. Hello. How, how are you doing? How's things? I'm all right. Quite Hello. quite agog. Taking aback at that introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not a word of a lie. So, Did you enjoy uh, the uh, enjoy the weather today. Um, <laughs> it was all right. It, it was weathery, wasn't it? Yeah. Like you know, I mean, but the thing is, by the time this comes out, because we're not telling everyone when we recorded, we actually recorded this four years ago. Yeah, um, four years ago today. <laughs> we're not even. We, but I think that in three years' time, there's going to be this disease called COVID, and um, you know, it's going to mess everything up. Yeah, well, we could well do. Um, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but we're here today anyway to talk about some fun stuff yet again, aren't we? Because as of uh, the Cella Toys announcement that you will have all read on Twitter, Instagram, um, the newspapers, the uh, six o'clock news, you'll have found out that Cella Toys have announced. The Big Daddy figure. Wow. I'm excited. It's bloody lovely. It's spectacular, isn't it, actually? I think that's fair to say. And it fits in so perfectly well with that absolutely beautiful giant haystacks figure that we've seen over the last week or so. I mean, it it, it almost had to happen, didn't it? Yeah. And to be fair, you know, Jella have been teasing it. I think the vast majority of people kind of guessed when they put out those teaser photos not so long ago of a really sort of small side angle of a knee pad or whatever it was. <laughs> but it it looks class. I mean, just, I mean, oh, man. The the likeness... Bobby, Bobby Dazzler. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey. Um, eh. the, the, the likeness of these, you know, it. there's a lot of love being put into these. You can just tell. Um, you know, they've got what I love about them as well is they've got the proportions like, you know, right. And the, you know, they've really paid tribute to them as well. And um, the, again, the likenesses of them, they fit in with that style, but you can definitely tell it's them. But I think that's a, that's the thing that the, the two most recognizable British wrestlers, you know, to never make it big in America, certainly, but you know, they are the definition of, you know, national institution and national treasures, really. When your gran knows them, yeah, then that's all you need to know, quite frankly. Um, I might as well mention this quickly before we start, actually, because it was my... Now that we've mentioned me gran, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've mentioned me gran on a wrestling podcast, it was my gran that got me into wrestling. She got me into the, into the world of wrestling when she uh, bought me my first Hasbro, which I believe was, I want to say, Jake. I believe it was, um, for a birthday, and first VHS, and which I believe was best of Saturday night's main event. It was either her or my uncle Joe that bought me that, but I can't remember. But either way, I went around hers because she had a dodgy satellite dish to go and watch. Um, I believe all American wrestling. I think back in the sort of very very late eighties, start of the start of the nineties, 
And she would sit up with me and we watched them. We used to watch WrestleMania 7 quite a lot for some reason. I don't know why, but I remember WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania 8 and 9, those three key years, WrestleMania. And we'd watch it on repeat. Sometimes we'd watch, because she used to be a big fan as well of like the, the shows, like the, um, not the shows, like the um, the musical um, videos as well, such as, you know, uh, Sound of Music in Oklahoma and things like that. So usually what it would be, would be, I'd go around hers on a Saturday as a youngster, as a very youngster, watch something like Oklahoma for the 1400th time, um, followed by WrestleMania 7, followed by The King and I, and then um, Generation Game in the nighttime. <laughs> Good. It was, was great. That... She used to tell me about as well that her dad, who would be my great granddad, in the 30s and 40s, specifically more of the sort of 40s era, um, well, throughout all of his life, he was an absolutely huge wrestling fan. And I had no idea about this. But he used to also be like a doorman and work for whichever promotion it was in the 30s. I'll have to do some research on this. In uh, in Aberdeen, in Scotland. So he used to sort of do the doors and work the shows in the sense of uh, a behind-the-scenes dude um, back in the 30s and 40s. Proper carny, when they used to sort of pass it off as real. And uh, probably was quite a lot of the time back then as well, you know. That's interesting. It, it makes you think of some of the names who probably, you know, wrestled up there. I've got that book from uh, that was made about wrestling at St. James's Hall in Newcastle. And it goes into people like Lou Fez, who were there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, these were like, you know, proper traveling wrestlers. And, uh, you know, everyone went through St. James's Hall. And I'd imagine everyone, including big American names, went through, you know, some of the, the Scottish promotions, whatever was up there. Well, when you think as well, I'm thinking back now, it must have been sort of second half of the 40s, because if you consider the Second World War, mm-hmm. um, strapping young lads were sent off to fight. So the, the, there wasn't going to be many of them left in the towns to sort of have a put on a bit of wrestling, is there? That's you know? true. That's why the um, Garden went 10 years without a wrestling show. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So when you've got when you've got the guys away, but when they come back, a lot of them are going to have that kind of excess of adrenaline and... You know, a bit fisty cuffs, a bit feisty. Things aren't the same as they were. Half the towns have been obliterated. So it's wrestling was a good way to let your anger and agitation out, I suppose, as well. It's, uh, and dare I say, not just that, but fantastic entertainment value for, for the people in, in the crowds. So, man, I, I want to do a bit more research into 40s, specifically, you know, 45, 46 onwards wrestling in the uk that's for another show i'm sure we'll get into that one day and uh, we'll we'll catch up with a couple of people who can help us out with that but today is very specifically about the big lads giant haystacks and big daddy when we thought that we we're going to be doing this episode i think me and paul will both put our hands up and say neither of us are specifically historians when it comes to british wrestling we know what we know like many people who are listening to this podcast, we were brought up with the American equivalent during the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So we know what we know. And we've done a little bit of additional research on top of that chat to a few people to get our our facts in order and things like that. And some of the things that you end up finding out uh, blew me away, to be quite honest. Because I, th- I, you know, I was shocked at some of the things I found out. It's amazing, isn't it, what you do find out? Yeah. And the way that we're going to do this is almost um, akin to how Chella announced the two figures. So I'm going to go first and have a bit of a chat and just give you a bit of a, a bit of a highlight reel, so to speak. We're not going to go massively in depth, but a bit of a highlight reel so you can get to know a little bit more about the character that was Giant Haystacks. Um, 
and then Paul's going to jump in afterwards with the same about Big Daddy, and we'll we'll go from there, and hopefully you'll enjoy it and pick something up that you didn't know about these two massive Goliath tankers. <laughs> yeah, and I think it I think it's worth as well, um, you know, to wrap up the show. We'll go in depth on the figures as well, especially the uh, variant of the the giant haystacks figure. Absolutely, we will, and we'll be talking about that. We'll also bring up the information um, regarding the Cella Toy Box competition. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of joy in there. And uh, we'll give you a bit more information about that as the show goes on. It's created a buzz already. So, you know, uh, people need to get involved in this. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you, mate. And there's some fantastic information I've got to share with you as well that Chella shared on Ooh. with us earlier today about what okay. might be involved. <laughs> indeed. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, the Grebel Arcade. Hands off the merchandise. Dig it. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Retro-style wrestling action figures from JellaToys.net Bring the legends, the present, and the future back to the classics. JellaToys.net To cracking back on with the show, Mr. Martin Round. Giant haystacks. Born in 1947, he lived until 1998. I'm sure a lot of people probably remember Haystacks for his late years in WCW more than anything else, mainly because it was televised. And I think his last event was at the Uncensored pay-per-view in 1996, so a couple of years before he passed away. Um, believe it or not, when this big chap was born, he was a big chap back then as well. He, he came in, he was born at a staggering 14.6 pounds, which is exactly almost one and a half stone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. He was, he, he was a giant as a nipper. Um, like many wrestlers that you learn about, he kind of grew up as a big lad, uh, used his way to his advantage when finding jobs. He was a laborer, as you can imagine, but he was also a bouncer for a while. Shock horror. Um, I can imagine, imagine the nightclubs <laughs> that he was bouncing at. I'm just the idea of creating a fight, having a bit of a scuff, having a bit of a scuffle over a couple of pints, and then, uh, then uh, Mr. Haystacks <laughs> walks over, just takes a look at you like he does. Because let's be honest, his face wasn't the most animated when he used to look at the camera. It no. didn't need to be. He just had that stern stone look on his face, and then you thought, "I'll sit down." <laughs> <laughs> So he was a bouncer for a while until he started uh, wrestling for Wrestling Enterprises, which is funnily enough in the in the Wirral, where me uh, me wife's family are based, and where Chris from our BBG podcast is based in the Wirral as well, down in uh, Birkenhead. But before he started wrestling for Wrestling Enterprises, he went by a gimmick name of Luke McMasters. Now I haven't found out why yet, because at the time a lot of people assumed that that was his real name, but it wasn't. His name's Martin Run, and. Nobody that I know of yet that I've spoken to yet knows where the Luke McMaster's bit came from. <laughs> Just said, Luke McMaster's. Um, <laughs> so, all right then. Um, so he went by that. But then he changed his name when he started wrestling for Wrestling Enterprises to Haystacks Calhoun, which is interestingly named after the rest of the American dude that we know of William Calhoun, who was part of the NWN WWWF. So it was kind of a tribute. He was calling himself, he took the Calhoun part yeah. from William Calhoun. Um, Giant Calhoun, or Calhoun, Haystacks Calhoun. I think it's probably easier to say, but he called himself Giant Haystacks anyway. So, yeah, that's where the Calhoun came from, funnily enough. Um, 
in 75, that's when he moved over to joint promotions. And I think it's fair to say that that's when things started to escalate in terms of his notoriety, people knowing who he was. Because as you'll get onto, I'm sure, as well, Pablo, that's when the notoriety came because he started tag teaming with Big Daddy. Yeah, I think that's probably something that a lot of people don't re- realise that they were a tag team for a couple of years. As and heels? Yeah. Like, so, I think Big Daddy, and we'll not get into Big Daddy too much yet, but like he wrestled under different names, but also yeah. wrestled as the name Big Daddy as a heel, which is just almost unimaginable when you think about what you would become. It's 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 amazing, isn't it? And it's something that me and my... Well, we'll get onto that in a second because there was something I wanted to chat you about, about Big Daddy and where it could have gone. But we'll mm. wait until we, we'll, we get to Big Daddy. Um, but yes, as we said there, Haystacks and Big Daddy were tag team as heels for a bit. And uh, Haystacks' TV debut was actually with Big Daddy against the St. Clairs. Um, and they lost via disqualification because they were, you know, the two big, massive, nasty sort of huge behemoths um, breaking the rules. <laughs> so his TV debut was a, was a loss via DQ to the Sinclairs. Um, but, you know, that's what kind of happened. And they went on to sort of, they were well known and they were obviously advertised as you'd expect them to be. They were like, you know, the, the sort of 70s ver- British version of Men on a Mission. I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> With a bit more rapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as you, as people probably know of, of Haystacks and Daddy's relationship, um, their feud was more synonymous than their tagging was. And they split up in 1977. And that's when they started their... Very, 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 very long-term feud up until the sort of mid-90s, really. It was a wonderful time. It's what people remember more about, most about British wrestling, I believe. Um, When people think about whether it's classed as a world sport era or whatever you want to call it, I think the most synonymous point of and part of British wrestling's history is people remembering the Haystacks and the uh, Big Daddy feud, which realistically spanned for the best part of 20 years, you know. Um, incredible, really, when you think about it. And as we saw, even on Big Daddy's This Is this is Your Life, which we'll get into with you, <laughs> just the fact that it's the way that Haystacks behaved during that This Is Your Life. He, was, he, he stayed in character throughout the whole thing. Nobody else did. He did. <laughs> it was great to see. Well, the host did as well. Yeah, the host did. <laughs> um, now, one of the most intriguing parts about um, Giant Haystacks' career is something which isn't usually touched upon which was when he started wrestling internationally. Yeah. He went over to Canada. I know that we've chatted about this before, Paul. He went over to Canada and started wrestling for Stu Hart's Stampede promotion in the, uh, in the early 80s. And he actually held the tag titles over there with Dynamite Kid, another cello signee, another, another big name in the cello landscape, the Dynamite Kid. And... Uh, Giant Haystacks were tag team champions. I couldn't believe this when I first heard this. Yeah. I don't know about you. No, it is it is crazy. I mean, it's been so long since I've read Pure Dynamite. I can't remember how much you really went into with regards to that. It's very interesting because they were obviously sort of hugely different kind of characters in terms of what they were bringing to the table. I mean, well, not just size, but, but style and everything else to go with it, which usually kind of... You know, some people think, and, and I believe that it complements each other. When you've got two completely different kind of characters wrestling, yeah, um, you've got, the, you've got the, um, the technical wizardry of dynamite, and you've got the brute and the brawn and the size of um, of Haystacks. And I think 
in my head and from what I've seen of them as a tag team, it's 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 beautiful. <laughs> I absolutely love love what I've unfortunately missed out on in terms of being able to watch that and grow up with that. But they only held the titles for 20 days, to be fair. Would you like to hazard a guess as to who they won the titles from, Pablo? <laughs> uh, what Bear in mind this? of where it is. This is Sorry? What year was this? this early 80s. I think, I think roughly 82, 83. I'm going to guess Brett and Bruce Hart. Brett and Keith. Oh, so close. Yeah, they, they beat <laughs> Brett and Keith for the title. Um, and do you know who they lost to? Brett and Keith. Brett and Keith. Brett and Keith. <laughs> That's right. Um, Brett and Keith loved the belts. <laughs> the dad's promotion. But yeah, he was he was tag champion for 20, for, for 20 days. That, sounded, that was a bit bitchy, wasn't it? <laughs> oh. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get gonna... into nepotism a bit more when we talk about <laughs> Big Daddy. So, <laughs> well, it was really interesting. Um, the fact that they held the held the belts uh, for that twenty days, and it was, and I really, as I said before, I really enjoyed the idea of them to as a tag team, just because of how random, and yeah. um, and because of what we know now, is obviously everything's more like of a hindsight kind of thing, and looking back, Rose's tinted glasses and blah, blah, blah. You're looking back on something, knowing what I know of both characters, and then realising that they were at one point in time uh, a tag team. It's maybe more interesting and surreal t- to somebody like me who didn't know that, but knows the character separate from it. You can't mm-hmm. drift. Um, but he also wrestled for... Um, before I get into that, actually, there were there's a lot of rumours going around that... Um, Haystacks was was a two-time champion in Stampede, two-time tag champion in Stampede. Um, and a lot of the rumours, and even on his Wikipedia page and places like that, Cage Match, wherever else, suggests that it's Bret Hart. Now, I'm calling bollocks <laughs> <laughs> on that uh, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because if you look at the Stampede title lineage and history, there's absolutely no mention whatsoever of Haystacks being the champion other than with Dynamite. And if you look at Bret Hart's um, title history reigns in Stampede, there's no mention of being a tag team champion with Haystacks. Mm. So I think there's been some wires crossed here. Because at first I was thinking, could this just be one of those things, and I think me and you spoke about this, where... Dynamite isn't able to compete one night, so Bret Hart steps in, which would have been weird considering, you know, he was the guy who they lost the titles to. Um, and I think he... it would have had to have been on TV, though, for that to at least been a record of it. Because if it well, was, no, even... that's the point, there's no record of it at all. No, but no for, even, for even the rumor to have come out, though, you know. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, because at first I thought, is Dynamite not able to compete? So Bret stepped in and maybe they've retained. So, so on paper, theoretically, Brett's held the title with Haystacks, and then obviously when Dynamite's returned, it's gone back to normal. But yeah, I don't think that was it. From from what myself and somebody else were, were chatting about, we think it might be a simple case. Of, I think Dynamite was possibly accredited with a double championship reign, and people have just misconstrued it and misunderstood what the concept was. Yeah. But either way, um, absolutely not. Um, he didn't. From unless Brett wants to say otherwise and confirm some information, I'm, I'm sure we'll get him on the phone later or something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, it it looks like he was just the one one time tag team champion at Stampede with Dynamite Kids. So um, yeah, well, be interesting to know though if anybody's got any additional information that we couldn't find out. If there's any, anything that I've not read in Brett's books that I've I've missed. Um, please let us know because it'd be great for us to, to try and clarify that because there seems to be little information on it whatsoever. There's definitely no images of it online that I found, whereas there's a, a several of 
of um, Haystacks and Dynamite holding the titles together. So mm. there you go. He also worked just not long after that as well um, in the 80s and the 90s, well, through the 80s and 90s, uh, regularly worked for uh, CWA in Germany and Austria. Um, and believe it or not, he even wrestled uh, and beat um, Ulf Hermann on several occasions. Good old Ulf. Do you know, <laughs> are you familiar with Ulf's work? I'm, I'm very much. I'm, I mean, um, specifically back in the, the uh, FWA days of the early 2000s, um, yeah. When, you know, I know he wrestled with them and when Talk Sport back in the day had that wrestling talk show with Tommy Boyd and Alex Shane, um, you know, that was religious listening for me back then. And um, yeah, Ulf Herman was uh, a big part of that. He really was. And I think a lot of British fans are aware of him when they've watched um, the wrestling channel when they used to be oh, God. national shows. Was it international showdown? We don't know how good we had it with that wrestling channel. Apparently. I know, we really don't. We really don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ulf, Ulf is one of those guys. He's been on. He's been in the UK scene quite a lot. He's toured over here quite a lot. I'm sure I've seen him at a couple of British promotions in the last sort of possibly you know ten to fifteen years as well. He's been over here a few times. Um, but just great to see that he was actually wrestling with uh, Haystacks back in the uh, the early nineties. Mm. But what's interesting is as well, in around I think it was 1984, Haystacks uh, featured in a couple of movies couple of films he's cast as a big man shock horror one of those films i don't know if you knew this or not this is fantastic one of those films was uh give my regards to to broad street which was written, <laughs> written which was written by paul mccartney oh wow okay i what's... bet you i can imagine someone like paul mccartney and and all of the beatles you know these big names will have watched world of sport every single week well as it turns out McCartney was a massive fan of Haystacks. There you go, yeah. And uh, they ended up becoming very close friends. To the point where, when they were recording this film, McCartney let Haystacks' kids stay at the house. McCartney household. And not only that, and I'm dying to see pictures of this, and I'm sure we will one day, McCartney had a custom guitar built for Haystacks. Wow. Could he Uh, play? Well, the definitely took it home <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would look tiny in his hands and maybe it was custom maybe it had like 44 frets or something I we don't did know. Say, yeah you did say it was custom made, custom made yeah. <laughs> yeah giant 26 strings it was, it was a double bass <laughs> <laughs> looked like a banjo in uh, haystack's arms <laughs> but um yeah he had a custom guitar made from which i that blew me away with just oh man when i heard that i was it put a biggest smile on my face because you know what I, well we're both the same we're a sucker for posters or, or memorabilia with wrestlers holding musical instruments. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> as yes. bizarre as that sounds. Like, <laughs> Jim Duggan with a trumpet. Oh, <laughs> oh lad. Eh? Eh? Bret Hart with a, with a bloody pink bender. Eh? Pink strat. Um, yeah, but... Um, eh? <laughs> Big Daddy, eh? So, yeah. You You're going to have to give some context to that. because we, we, we will at the end. We will at the end. <laughs> but yeah, Paul McCartney and Haystacks, good friends. Kids stayed at McCartney's house when they were filming. Um, had a guitar made from, and believe it or not, as well, that um, on the and on the anniversary uh, years after that um, Haystacks passed away, McCartney would send um, his uh, wife uh, flowers every year. Ah, that's really cool, isn't it? 
yeah. um, to mark the occasion. And I just, what, just what a beautiful friendship and story people, that is. Really people is. don't understand how, like, some of the biggest names in UK wrestling. I mean, God, watch my millions every single week, and yeah. the effect that they had on pop culture. I mean, you hear the stories about how Adrian Adonis uh, inspired, in part, Ziggy Stardust. Um, and they talk about it in the film that was made and I interviewed uh, the director for that and you know it's it's absolutely not out of the question I mean you see people like Mick McManus make appearances on like the generation game and stuff like that I mean these <laughs> were mainstream stars um, and there was that oh god who was the who was that bald wrestler who did the Allensons advert remember oh he was, in an, episode, he was in an episode of bottom as well he was one of the neighbors um oh that's that's going to be headed but it, but just to my point like these were the names you know everyone knew them and i don't think they get talked about enough by like celebrities now on tv and stuff the way they talk about old footballers and stuff like that it's like the world of sports stuff partly because it doesn't get shown anymore is kind of sadly you know um in the midst of time, you know, sort of forgotten about. That's why things like these figures are really, really important. They're hugely important. I think it's Brian Glover who you were. Right. Okay. For the rest of the UK wrestler. But yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. And and we'll obviously wax the oracle about these figures because there's a lot to uh, unpick and, and uh, you know, just melt over really because <laughs> they are spectacular. Yeah. Um, before we get into that though, um, quickly recap the, the last sort of parts of Haystacks' career before moving on to Big Daddy. Um, because it, it, it's it's so insightful and, and almost magnificent, the career that Haystacks had that people don't realise, because all they assume is the feud with Daddy. and Which is fair enough, because there's not very much covered on it. But, for example, in 1985, he signed with uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm. Um he tagged quite a bit with their uh, Gypsy Joe while he was over there. Right. <laughs> he had a fabulous uh, sort of ongoing sort of feud with Killer Khan. Wow. Okay. And, the, and he even had a, a three versus three match where it was um, um, himself, uh, Goro Surumi and Tiger Jeet Singh versus Mighty Anno, uh, Great Kabuki and Giant Baba. <laughs> Bloody hell. Look in what year? It was 85. In, in 85. Wow. Absolutely That's, incredible. That is amazing. And I mean, you know, it, it to a point, it could be argued that they weren't the biggest movers around the ring. Not that they needed to, but when you when someone like him goes to New Japan, there's a they celebrate those big men and the yeah. really in awe of them. I mean, no look look no further than Andre. I mean, there was just such a respect factor there that even by late ninety two, when Andre was completely at the end, it didn't matter. 96 and stuff like that when they were kind of shadows of their former selves it didn't matter because their reputation preceded them well i mean that's the thing when you when you can have a match like that where you've got baba and their uh, haystacks on opposite side of the ring and you let the likes of kabuki and uh surumi do the do the legwork don't you You know yeah. i mean you come in you come in for the spots but oh, just the fact that those guys were just on the same bill together the opposite ends of the ring it just you know, it filled me with joy at the point where I had to go and find it. Just, just, just <laughs> wonderful kind of concept of it all. But yeah, I mean, he had he had a lot of matches in all Japan. It was definitely in the double figures that he was at least it's recorded. So 
it's not like he just went in for a fleeting kind of weekend of bouts, if you know what I mean. He wasn't just like, you know, cashing in on a weekend. He went over there for a significant, pretty much the best part of a year. Mm. Um, and, and you know, performed really, really brilliantly at a, at, a, at a really key point in the mid-80s of Japanese wrestling. What's really interesting is actually, is that obviously we know about his, we'll, we'll get onto it in a second, his, his, his sort of mid-1990s uh, WCW run. But do you realize he also had a match in 1991 WCW against Steve Regal? I did not know that. Was it in the UK? Yeah, it was WCW um, back in 91 of those cards. But yeah, just just fantastic. Um, and I, it's something that I missed. I did, I've never clocked onto that match. I, I've, I've definitely heard of him having something to do with WCW at an earlier point in time, like earlier 90s, but I didn't know to what extent. So, but there you go. That there is go. interesting, especially since One Man Gang was actually in WCW at that point as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Um, now, I'll tell you what is funny. Um, he wrestled for, as, as you'll know, he wrestled for uh, All Star in the early 90s. And, and do you want to know a couple of the people that he, he beat? That oh, are with with uh, with uh, American wrestling, PN News because you know that <laughs> he was about at the time quite a lot uh, in, in the UK mm-hmm. uh, under different guises, but uh, also somebody that we brought up on one of the first two episodes of our Cello Toys podcast. Um, Haku? Nope. Randy Colley is Moon Dog Rex. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Hair stacks against Moon Dog Rex on an All Star show in the early nineties. <laughs> That is that is a lot of fun. Was he wrestling as Moondog at that point? Because I'm sure he was billed as Moondog Rex. Wow. See, because and I'm, I'm sure Collie eventually on the Indies went back to his demolition gimmick for a little bit as well. Um. So, but I'm guessing this this obviously wasn't one of those uh, one of those times. But no, and Moondog. Yeah. I do know that like around that time, because uh, obviously it was off TV at this point, and there was a. You know the the crab trees and your big daddy, uh, your giant haystacks, etc. Saw WWF as you know a load of shite, <laughs> basically. You know, um, and you know they they try to to go, oh, it's all show. You know, where the real wrestling and stuff like that. <laughs> Still maintaining it, like the sort of the seriousness, and uh, they were making videos at that point even though they weren't on TV, and they obviously fought enough of Giant Haystacks and his star power for him to go on TV on shows like... Uh, Lorraine, TV. he was on Lorraine. Yeah, like, yeah on Lorraine. Chat, chat with Lorraine. <laughs> not, not a glib talker, his, uh, his Giant Haystacks. <laughs> they tried to get an interview out of him, but he kind of wasn't having it, like, was he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just live, live with the gimmick, man. The, the hosts were in awe of him, and they knew it was, like, a really cool thing that he was there, and, uh, you know, th- there was a lot of talk of... I think he knew that British wrestling at that point was not going to end up back on television anytime soon. But they were like, oh, do you think it'll end up back on the telly and stuff like that? And you could tell that he wanted it. And, yeah. you know, it, it. for all we know, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I feel that he maybe wasn't the same after like the height of his career in the UK sort of thing in terms of whether he still, you know, really like kept the character and kept like sort of putting that effort in and all that kind of stuff and you know um it, it also became a job you know what i mean because that's a yeah, misconception well, it, on a lot of the british wrestlers well. you remember as well given his, his height and his his, his uh his size and his age the mid 90s he was, he was an ill man he wasn't very well at all you know uh, and naturally he's of course he's not going to be um, and just sort of like sort of rounding off where we are with with uh, Haystacks before we move into Big Daddy. He obviously had that spell in WCW in 96, which kind of, you know, was the sort of um, the, the 
the ending of his career, basically, in terms of the, the pinpoint. I'm, I'm really glad he at least got to wrestle on TV and at pay-per-views and things like that, even if it maybe wasn't at the pinnacle of his career. But it's it's nice that um, any American sort of, you know, historians who like to go watch the network and things like that can still at least see some some matches of his and mm. sort of at least see what he's about. If you, you know, if you don't want to access YouTube or other things like that, you can get yourself onto the network and go and have a look at some 96 WCW stuff because... You know, his first match for them in 96 was against Jim Duggan, which went to a no contest. But he did beat the likes of uh, Scotty Riggs and Marcus Bagwell. He beat uh, Das Wunderkid, Alex Wright. He uh, he also was victorious in like a sort of uh, jobber squash match where it was like two of them against him. He beat them. And he only lost to, to, to two big names, you know, to two big named opponents, one being Luger in a title match where he was... Uh, I think it was a count out in 13 seconds or something like that yeah. uh, where Luca won. And the other match was against the Giant. So, I mean, it's not like he's lost to a couple of random sort of mid-card guys. He's, he's lost to a couple of staple big, huge main event names and, you know, beat the mid-carders. So it, it wasn't like he was kind of jobbed out or anything daft like that. He had a, for all of his limitations at that point in his life, he was still respected, I suppose, enough to be put over. Um and the, the the match against the Giant being at uncensored 96. So really interesting. I mean, I'll wrap it up there in terms of his career because we could go on and on and on about the most, you know, like uh, sort of general matches and things like that that he had in the UK. But um, I thought it was interesting just to give you the, the wider spectrum of what he was all about. In terms of titles, he held the British Wrestling Federation European heavyweight title, joint promotions, British heavyweight title, and as I mentioned before, obviously as Loch Ness, I needed to point out as well when he was over in, in Stampede and in WCW, um, he had the uh, international tag team titles with Dynamite Kid. Not Brett, not Brett, yeah. <laughs> but uh, as Loch Ness under that gimmick. Uh, I don't think I mentioned that before. But to me, I just think he was uh, just a... <sighs> He's exactly everything I want to see in a big, big, super, super heavyweight kind of guy. You know what I'm like. I love me Yokozunas. I love my John Tenders. You know that they're two of my in my top five wrestlers of all time because I just love that kind of character. And just by be by being a part of Chella and by being very excited about the figure that Chella are releasing and by um, speaking to the likes of Gav, who works closely with the um, the, the estates of um, Haystacks, daddy um it's given me this huge appreciation for a guy that i probably would have always had an appreciation for if i had more access to know about him a bit more without having to randomly do a, a deep dive you know uh, i wish the stuff that he did in canada for example and in japan was maybe a bit more accessible but now that i know about it i'm hoping our listeners will be the same we'll go and find it and check it out just to see what it was all about especially in the mid 80s rather than just when he was at the end of his career in the mid 90s for wcw go back a decade and see what he was doing because he was still playing that big man gimmick but it was just interesting to see how he held himself in the ring and the way sort of the way he behaved with them with those other characters that he was wrestling against but Huge fan, and I'm going to definitely be checking out more. And if you want to know more about Giant Haystacks and what's going on, there's some official handles that you guys can go and check out. Because let's be honest, like everything in life, there's unofficial ones as well. But we've got confirmation that the official Twitter handle is at Giant Haystacks. The official Instagram handle is official Giant Haystacks. And the official Facebook page is forward slash Giant Haystacks. And uh, with that, 
I think we'll pass over to you, Pablo, for a bit of a Big Daddy rundown, pal, because, you know, today's the day that Big Daddy's been announced on the channel line. Where he? Um, and we'll, uh, we'll get your thoughts on the, on the Big Daddy. It's, it's very exciting. I've got to say as well, whilst you're checking out uh, some giant haystacks, you know, in uh, Japan and in Canada on YouTube, uh, do check out his very final appearance on YouTube as well. That's someone, uh, you know, just happened to, it was 1998. So right before he passed away and uh, the, so whoever's holding the camera, it's a probably, you know, one of those big jobs on the shoulder. You're not exactly going to hide it, but um, it was just, it was just one of those shows like just, prime british wrestling show where the kids have got ice creams and the mums are you know telling the kids to shut up <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and uh they bring they bring giant haystacks out and give them give him an award and i think they acknowledge that it's going to be like his last appearance and that he's signing autographs and stuff like that and you can just tell that it meant something to him and maybe he knew that his time was coming and all that kind of stuff but uh it's a fascinating bit of footage and just a a, a real insight into what true working class british wrestling is like um you know when it's just done in a uh like in a sports hall or in a bingo hall or something like that and it just you know it captures it perfectly for me um yeah i think it's worth checking out absolutely uh so yeah big daddy um now we'll get into this because he, he kind of he split a lot of opinions uh for various reasons but you know it could be said that if you're able to split opinions that much and have people talking about you both positively and negatively you obviously created quite an impression uh which he uh which he definitely did and uh he he came from a, a wrestling family actually his uh dad wrestled in the 30s and um <clears throat> And when he was younger, he was also a rugby player as well. So, that, you know, I think it's forgotten or at least not acknowledged that he was actually at one point, you know, big and really in shape and athletic. And he was a lifeguard at one point as well. Right, he was, yeah. And, um, you know, in uh, <laughs> some of his early names, he was actually called Mr. Universe. <laughs> and he was called uh, the Blonde Adonis as well. And um, Was he you know, really? Yeah, he was... <laughs> He's in um he was in the army at one point and um it was uh, a regiment that uh, served the royal family and uh, they were called the cold screen uh, cold stream guards and because of that it, one of his other wrestling names was the battling guardsman the guardsman yeah have, have you seen any of the photos where he's wearing the, the tall hat no it's so good <laughs> there's a couple of shots of him out there i think it might even be there might have been a photo on his uh, this is your life episode Oh, uh, well, there was a photo of him where he's wearing the big guardsman hat and a big beef eater style kind of look. <laughs> Brilliant. Carry on, sorry. Well, that's yeah, we did. We watched this, the This Is Your Life as well. So, I, I it, it was a few months ago for me, but uh, yeah, that is, I would highly recommend that everyone sees that. We'll definitely get into the yeah. uh, This Is Your Life episode because <laughs> it's fantastic. something, it's something else. It's so good. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> So obviously, you know, I think probably the best known thing about him is his name, Shirley Crabtree. And uh, I remember even at school when I'd bring in something WWF related for show and tell, the the wrestler that was brought up was uh, Big Daddy. And the first fact would be, oh, do you know he was named after a girl? You know, um, and he did get picked on for that. And, um, you know, it, it could be said that, I mean, it did have an effect on him. Um, and... 
it it could be said that he was probably a misunderstood, you know, big teddy bear, really, because, you know, years later, uh, when uh, he was wrestling for uh, joint promotions, uh, the British heavyweight champion at the time was a wrestler called uh, Bert Azarati. And now he was a like an actual strong man and more of a serious wrestler, like a wrestler's wrestler. And he was actually posthumously inducted into the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. So I think he's a bit of a like a smart fans, you know, kind of favorite, whereas those kind of uber smart, knowledgeable fans aren't as big on Big Daddy sort of thing because they just judge them by what they can do in the ring. Uh, but Bert Azarati, when he uh, when he got injured, he had to give up the belt. And again, nepotism, the belt was given to, uh, to Shirley Crabtree at the time as uh, the Blonde Adonis. And Bert Azarati actually waged a real-life campaign against him uh, to be like, you don't deserve this. And this was not kayfabe. <laughs> this was real. He, like, you know, it was a proper... It would be like a Twitter war now, I guess. Uh, but this had <laughs> such a, this had such an effect on him that he retired for about six years. Um, wow. You know, so it, I think, honestly, that whole bullying thing was you know, constant throughout his life. And you could, I mean, when you look at the, this is your life episode, you can tell that like the compliments mean so much to him that you feel, you do feel that. And I don't think it's an ego thing, but if someone said anything negative towards him, I don't think you'd get angry. I think you would be like legitimately hurt. <laughs> by yeah. Yeah. Because right. I think he, he knows what he is. He knows he's such a national treasure. Um, but again, you know, it's one of those things that splits opinion on, whether, you know, the nepotism and the fact that he was potentially being paid more than other wrestlers and wrestlers would be paid more to face him as well. Um, you know, whether that is true or not. And those those rumours have been, uh, what's the word, sort of dismissed by his family. Um, you know, but the the sort of thinking was a lot of these wrestlers, Rollerball, Rocco, like on down, had separate jobs because they were getting paid out by, you know, even being on TV and stuff like that. It wasn't enough to live on solely. But Big Daddy was very forward thinking in terms of merchandise and stuff like that. So he was so popular and marketable that he was able to make his own brand of merchandise. And you see scarves now, you see the Big Daddy annuals. Uh, he was in like comic books and stuff like that. It's, uh, it can't be underestimated how much of a... Uh, impact he had on British culture and the way and this is just my opinion the way that a lot of the smarter fans the, the Meltzer Wrestling Observer fans and I'm not belittling them at all but they would look down on Big Daddy in the way that all those fans of Big Daddy who are just as equally important and their opinions relevant like all the Al Nanas and stuff like that would probably look down on what they would consider maybe boring wrestling, you know what I mean? In Completely. Terms of... And to be honest, I, I, one of my thoughts on this as well is very much along the lines of the way that people might sort of be snooty about um, Big Daddy and Haystacks matches in the in the sort of early nineties and whatnot, mm-hmm. in a, in terms of their in ring prowess, <laughs> you know, shall we say that? <laughs> um, is the same kind of people, or well, not people, but the same kind of opinions where people sort of have a dig at the likes of Hogan and Warrior. Yeah. It's, it's okay. 
yes, they maybe aren't technical high-flying wizards, but what they bring to the table in terms of star-studded power, psychology, taking in mind how big they are, how strong they are, knowing what makes sense for them to do and not do, and telling a story, which is why we a watch, <laughs> you yeah. know, they were masters of it. Simple as that. Daddy and Haystacks were masters of that side of things. Yes, they weren't Moon Sultan, but they were telling absolutely fantastic in-ring stories and painting fantastic pictures of storylines and characters and who they were. And they were so over. That's and that's why, because they were able to do that perfectly. And yeah, people loved them and rightly so with Haystacks hated them, but Brilliant, just yeah. absolutely brilliant. There's very few wrestlers ever for me that embody the word presence. Um, you know, they yeah. they can just stand there and just turn yeah. the head and big and you know people forget that like the audience when they believed it was real were legitimately scared of some of the heels. Um, and. You know, when Nagasaki took off his mask and stuff like that, like that was yeah. terrifying with those red contact lenses and stuff like that. But like if Big Daddy, if, sorry, if Giant Haystacks would have took a step towards like a child, the child would have run for the hills. <laughs> like, Haystacks, um, when Haystacks used to just look at, look at it, he just used to turn his head and just look at the crowd and look at the front row. <laughs> people sat down. Yeah. Well, you the know, Nana's legit, probably... People were like, all right. <laughs> the nuns shook the purses, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they shook. Yeah, they used to stab them with needles and all sorts. You always had like fearless nanas. Yes, yeah, some of them were vicious. They were, I mean, they were nasty nanas. <laughs> they were nasty nanas, especially back in the sort of you know um, post-war as well. Oh, because that whole lifestyle of living through the blitz and everything like that. Again, getting onto what we talked about before. There's a certain mentality of the hardened, roll your sleeves up, and uh, you know women at war kind of mentality of a lot of those those nanas who lived through the war um were as nurses as matrons etc cetera, etc cetera, um and were, were you know not to be trifled with <laughs> well a, a product of that though is you know coming from the war and you know fighting you know different countries and stuff like that they were very i mean i hate to say racist but they were a bit racist well, there so like, elements of it i mean they were, they were born into the idea of not you know, abroad, you know, foreign holidays weren't exactly on the cards back then for 99.9% of the population. Yeah. And then they just had a massive war with another country. So it's 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 kind of understandable that at that time there was some, you know, ill feeling towards um, not their own, I suppose. But again, that's why those heels, I mean, you know, it's... it's um stereotype now. And I mean, they still try to do it now, but like you... Let's say in like the seventies in New York, because every every heel was a foreign villain. Yes, and I mean there there was this one fan. Um, she's on the network, and there's articles about her as well that she was in the garden front row, and if Fuji threw the salt outside the ring to start the match, she would come and wipe it off the apron. She'd get like the biggest pop of the night, but then she'd also do the the you know the eye thing, you know the I right. don't know what yeah, the yeah yeah just, that's not that's yeah <laughs> I know what you, you mean. Know, the eye thing. The so yeah, but slow with your hands on your eyes. <laughs> but the thing is, though, again, should get pop of the night. But yeah, but that's the thing at the time, isn't it? It's crazy. Um, oh, and so... that's a credit to the that's a credit to the international wrestlers. You know, yeah. being able to stir that much emotion in somebody where they're going to behave in that way towards you. Um, but, oh, but yeah, just 
Those, like the, you know, because in, in this country, the one called baby faces, uh, the faces were called blue eyes. Yep. And they were loved so much that if you dared beat them down or cheat or whatever, like they, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly riot territory because, again, it was nanas. <laughs> children. Look, nanas um, are what people need to remember because I know we get a few international <laughs> listeners here, especially from uh, Kenya. <laughs> this in our recent iTunes, uh, Apple podcast statistics, Num- number one wrestling podcast in Kenya. Nanas. nanas. <laughs> Mick, Mick McNanas. Um, nanas. Uh, grand grandmothers. They're, they're a British term for the word grandmother over in the UK. Grandmas. And the the long term sort of concept is that on a, on a Friday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, whatever night it is, that they go out um, for the night on the raz on the piss. They would they would normally usually you know people usually link them to going to the bingo and things like that. But that wasn't always the case <laughs> because a lot of them. Seriously, used to go to the wrestling instead. Yeah. A group of nanas, a group of grandmas would get together and go to the wrestling <laughs> just so they could hurl abuse, chuck wool, stab wrestlers with knitting needles, and uh, cheer on the good guys and have the photos taken with the with the with the with the blue eyes after the event, you know. And it's honestly, it's 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 amazing when you see some of the footage as well of them being interviewed. He's a scumbag. A bloody <laughs> look at him. He's a nasty bugger. And all you, you hear some fantastic stuff, and they they bloody meant it, you know. <laughs> some of the best information, some of the best stuff I've ever heard is about how before an event you might get like nanas and grandmas and things, um, saying, "Oh yeah." Oh, yeah, to the heels on the face as they go, oh, we've come here to watch you tonight. Oh, and, and yeah, look, isn't he lovely? Isn't he? Oh, isn't he lovely? <laughs> About the heels on the and the faces. And they were all sort of lovey-dovey towards all of them until it, they got the seats. And then if you were a heel, you know about it because you you're hoping that that event that venue has spaced out those guardrails enough for you to walk down that aisle so you don't get stabbed with a knitting needle because, yeah. man, they were vicious. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so well, um, Tommy Grant says. <laughs> <laughs> well, Crabtree started on uh, TV on World of Sport in '72, but uh, and this was after his uh, six years away. Uh, but it wasn't until you know he started teaming up with Haystacks and turned the name to Big Daddy. Like his uh, his leotards were actually made out of his wife's sofa, which <laughs> is really charming. Um, was it made out of an easy chair? Easy. Yeah. And you know, you can imagine two lads that size were just killing everyone. But yes. he started getting cheered when he was uh, feuding with Nagasaki um a couple of years later and he accidentally pulled his mask off during the match and um But that went down well. Yeah. Uh, by 77 uh, you know the team had split up uh, Daddy and Haystacks and that's when Big Daddy became the Big Daddy that everyone knows wearing the top hat with the union flag and uh, you know the shiny jacket I mean that's the thing and it's captured in the figure as well and I, I can't wait to talk about more of this but yeah. people like Big Daddy and even like Cat Weasel and people like that like the more colourful characters really knew how to take advantage of the fact that it was now colour television and, you know, the colours would always pop. I mean, you would see, like, everything, like, knew what they were doing. But, like, you had your traditional wrestlers. But, 
you needed your comic relief with like your Les Kellets and your Cat Weasels, but Big Daddy wasn't. He wasn't comic relief. He was just. He was the end boss, wasn't he? <laughs> you know. Um, well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess his sex was the end boss, but like your Big Daddy was your link. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, or you were Super Mario, <laughs> and um, that's when you know he would come out to the "We shall not be moved" and you know capture that wartime spirit. And that's you know all the nanas singing along and stuff like that, and uh, just just amazing. I mean, there's um, there are documentaries out there, and there's also the uh, the World of Sport DVDs, which I highly recommend people get because they're crammed with extras. Crammed. There's a booklet uh, just giving you like an A to Z on everything that you can need to know, and um, you know a lot of people say. You know, because I mean, Daddy was facing everyone. I mean, he got he faced uh, he faced Finley early on. He faced people like Drew McDonald. Uh, but it has been said that when he and Haystacks finally faced on TV, that was kind of the end of British wrestling on TV because it was the two names that would never meet. And sadly, the matches didn't live up to the expectation of your two mega literally mega powers exploding sort of thing and um after that it was kind of the end of you know the ratings actually start to go down and stuff like that because what else can you do at that point that's the match it it would have been different if they were like doing those matches on tour and and didn't do it on tv i think as well the other thing linked to that as well as i mentioned was we've chatted with other people about is that um at that point in time the, the sort of growth and the change and the development and the forward thinking and the merchandise and the planning and the TV rights that was going on with American wrestling at that point in time. Yeah. British wrestling at that time didn't capitalize on it and didn't know how to manage it properly. So there was this huge growth in the American side of things, but that, that wasn't happening within our own um, British wrestling. So it was kind of as if it was getting left behind with the way it was showcased, the way it was promoted, the way it was produced. It wasn't moving with the times. <laughs> you could and say that that happened with the most recent world of sport as well. Bro, yeah. Well, you could. Yeah. Just, <laughs> what, I, I just think that, I just think that back at that point, my own opinion, obviously, and I don't speak for anybody else other than for my opinion on how things could have been, but because of how, especially when you got the likes of SummerSlam 92 happening and the growth up to that point of wrestling, and obviously the the fandom for the American wrestling was growing rapidly to the point where WWF decided to put on SummerSlam 92 in the UK. Yeah. Um, it says a lot about what the fans were wanting and craving and what were, were interested in. And I just think that at that point, that sort of late 80s, early 90s point, W, um, sorry, the British wrestling world of sport, whatever you want to call it. It's hard to compete. You know to, what I mean? Well, it's, I, I don't think values... it needs to be the same. I don't think it needed to ever be a replica of it, but I think it didn't even try to grow or try to change or try to move with the times. I think it just kind of got stuck in this, this little portal where I thought this will do. It didn't move with pop culture, I suppose. No. It didn't embrace it. One of the, one of the main things as well is that you know uh, by the end of World of Sport on TV, uh, because you know your dynamites etc had moved to America at that point, there were it, the wrestling was getting more silly. It would it, it could be said, and but the the problem was is that it it could be seen through much easier, and yeah. but they would still on TV go oh we're real, but and it's kind of 
you know, sadly, it's hard to take that seriously. But at the same time, if you say you're fake, then that's kind of the end of you, really, because that shatters a lot of uh, illusions by that point. And it's a shame that they didn't capitalize with the things like when 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 the American wrestling side of things will use, you know, mid 80s WWF as the example here, we're yeah. tapping big time into MTV and the rock and wrestling kind of stuff. Why the British didn't do the same thing. I mean, you've got some massive fans <laughs> over here that could have done some really you know, crossover appeal stuff, whether it be with film and, and music. Um, you could have had loads of really interesting stuff to, to sort of like to work alongside it and tie into what was going on in the, you know, like top of the, get them on top of the pops. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. I think, you know what I mean though? The, when you look a whistle at... test, <laughs> wheel tappers and shunters, get, get them on. I think, I don't know. I think by like, it, they weren't exactly a lot of the wrestlers in, you know, on world of sport weren't exactly glib talkers and the most, entertaining outside of the ring the, you know the those who did go on to do other things like bomber you know on off either same pet and stuff like that they did because they were talented enough to do that whereas i think a lot of people a lot of the wrestlers either went on to open training schools or went on to just different careers altogether and you know it it, it would i think it would have been hard for them to stay relevant because i think by that point they were fighting against the tide at this point, and especially it, when yeah, they, they, once it, once the once the um the sort of the, you know the ships came in, as in the American, um, just this wealth of you know high money, big time American wrestling started sweeping the nation and yeah. capturing everybody's imagination. It was just left. You're right. It was left too late to be able to do anything about it. Um, I think there was a, I think there was definitely a, an opportunity to try and capitalise on it, though. I just don't think it was capitalised on what it could have been. And again, that's no knock on the wrestlers whatsoever at all. Yeah. I just think um, promotions at the time and people who were, um, you know, promoting the events and booking the events and putting things on weren't seeing exactly my point what you just said there there was nothing you didn't see really what they were doing outside the ring there was nothing to sort of capitalize on the characters and that's that's exactly my point there was nothing to capitalize on characters or find out what other interesting things were going on with those people or the only people the only person that really springs to mind apart from big daddy and haystacks and maybe nagasaki to an extent and a couple of the others is like adrian streaks that photo shoot that he had at the pits you yeah. know, at the mines, things like that. They'd have done more stuff like that. That went down the street. We're still talking about it today, and there's still people focusing on articles about that particular photo shoot, whereas with his dad and the other workers behind them in the, in the mines. And you just think if they'd have done more interesting things, that could have, that's I the kind that. of stuff that could have worked. It's just uh, that they didn't, and they left it too late. Anyway, sorry, I've, uh, I've, I've just uh, pulled that one on for a bit. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I think it could be said that, you know, like the territories in America, they didn't have the imagination to really market themselves to a new generation or like, because they never had to previously, mm, you know, and yeah, they were yeah. huge because of it. And it was, it's one of those that once the, you know, the, the, the bubble bursts, they found themselves, I guess, scrambling. But what's what's interesting is when WWF took over their slot on ITV for a bit, um, and they had UK exclusive links hosted by Gene Oakland, they still used the old world of sport theme, the and actually in the cut shots of Big Daddy in with Michael Cogan and stuff like that, which is uh 
Which right. some of the interesting things that I found, because I mean, during my lifetime, uh, one of the biggest things that Big Daddy was a part of, he was in the Legends of Wrestling Two game along right. with uh, along with Giant Haystacks, uh, right. Kendo Nagasaki, and Mick McManus, and that was a UK exclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and those Legends of Wrestling, you know, they get mixed reviews and stuff like that, but they they celebrate old wrestlers in different territories and stuff like that and do interviews with them on like the exclusive DVDs that came with them and all that kind of stuff. There's yeah. so much on those games that is worth checking out. Even if you don't like the game, like there's so much like extra stuff that is worth checking out on those three games that I would actually recommend, uh, would recommend getting them. But one thing I didn't know, cause I knew he had his own comic strip in uh, a comic called Buster, but ITV had actually planned to do a kids program called Big Daddy. And it was going to take over Tizwas, which is mental because Tizwas was huge. huge um, yeah. And a, a pilot was shot in a series announced, but uh, Crowdy pulled out for whatever reason. And uh, they had to change the name of the show. And funnily enough, Tommy Boyd was one of the hosts of Tizwas and of this show that took over. And he was involved in the Frontier Wrestling Alliance stuff when they won oh. Challenge early on as well. And he actually played a heel commissioner as well because they built it up on the radio show. And that first FWA show had Dynamite Kid make a very rare public appearance in uh, 2002, which was which was huge uh, at that time. But uh, I didn't know about this. And somewhere in ITV's archives, they have this pilot for this Big Daddy show, which... Oh, uh, what? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it... You know, the, he is fondly remembered. It's such a shame. Well, it's not a shame. It's just a fact of life that that generation who say they sat on the dad's knee and watched Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, they're kind of all disappearing now. But again, I can't stress enough. This is why. And maybe hopefully, you know, it leads to more things because, you know, um, it's really important. Like this is actually Haku and Bulnakano. I'm really excited for, but there's something that connects me to like my dad about the big daddy and giant haystack. He would have been yeah. that there's a yeah. big daddy and giant haystacks figure coming out. Like he would have wanted them himself. Uh, and the, the, just the detail that like giant haystacks comes with a, his big fur coat. Um, big daddy comes with his top hat and his, a sequin jacket and what i love and i know this is a, a minor thing but it's always a big thing for me when they include like glitter or sequins on anything when it's prismatic and it shines off different yeah. colors yeah. like it's just that little bit of extra effort that they didn't probably have to do and i don't think anyone would have complained but it's it's one of those do you know when you watch like sort of the glam bands on 70s telly or your big daddies and when the light would shine off the sequence and it would leave a big orb on the screen because you know that's just what that reminds us of and for me there's something like really i know sentimental but like kind of like futuristic about that and like really colorful and everything and yeah i i can't say enough good things about these figures. Both, so, yeah, both anyway. absolutely fantastic. Out of curiosity with the Haystacks figures, yeah. uh, which is your favourite, the blue or the brown variant? Uh, I've, I think the blue for me. Um, I want both, don't get us wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I think the blue, just because it, I think it just pops a little more as a colour. Interesting. Um, I, think, I, I like them both. Yeah. I like them both. And from the people I've spoken to as well, there seems to be, a, it's, it's 50-50, which is really interesting. Like a yeah. lot of everybody seems to really love both, but mm-hmm. it's 50 50 so far from what I've heard as to which one 
um, is the favourite. So it's, what I love is the fact that how Cheller have approached this as well. They asked the fans before they made them, which one would you, which, which one would you prefer us to make? And one of them obviously won. So what they decided to do is for the ones who voted for the other one is to make a short run because there was such an outcry from people saying, oh, please, please, would you consider doing the <laughs> other one? Doesn't that just such, fill such your a... heart with joy that it there does. are so many people that are still that passionate that they want both giant haystacks figures? People will literally get in touch with Cella to say, could you potentially make the other one, or, or at the very least, I'm voting for this one because it really, really reminds me of a time when I was watching with my dad or my mom yeah. on things. People are remembering specific memories, and that's letting them want to vote on which which outfit and attire that they want to the point where Cheddar said, you know what it is then? We'll make the one that's won, but we will make a, a variant run for of the, of the other costume as well. And... Yeah, that that's you, why you know what that's why we're doing what we're doing with Chella. <laughs> that's yeah, that a perfect I, I example of why well. we're working with Chella. Yeah, I bet you as well that these figures are going to be the first time a lot of people have bought figures. You know, because yeah, I, I agree with you fully. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just such a monument to like their nostalgia, or like like we've said, you know, uh, watching it with family members and stuff like that, or yeah. Um, it's it's an amazing thing. Like I, I'm so excited about these. And I dare say as well, it'll be the first time for a lot of people, especially the USA customers, um, who will be able to uh, pre-order some British wrestling characters. I mean, you know, much like any of us, we've not really had the access unless you've bought very specific figures by different companies of British wrestlers. We've mentioned before that we've bought a couple of different figures from different companies of uh like Adrian Street, for example, his figure that we bought from him. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's interesting is for for a lot of USA fans, this will be their first, maybe even access to certain British names, but being able to get a hold of an action figure form. But just the fact that they might not have been very aware of who Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks were, like we were because of the history that we've got with ITV and those characters. At best, they might know Haystacks as Loch Ness from the mid-90s for a lot of these collectors who are buying this um, figure of haystacks so for them it's going to be a really interesting thing to be getting hold of a figure that they maybe don't know very much about but then now's the opportunity to learn a lot more about them and spread the word about how significant that these characters were to us growing up or at least to our parents generation growing up because they really are and they need to be need to be celebrated in a great way which leads me on to say to our usa fans if you want to pre-order and purchase any of the cello action figures head over to usa-shop.figurecollections.com Check out this advert while you're on. Where the class of the past meets the greatness of the present. Nick Aldis and Cello Toys are back with Figure Collections. Wait a minute, that's us. Cello Toys and Figure Collections are offering this exclusive Nick Aldis Megastars Wrestling Figure Limited with just 100 pieces. This is the first exclusive for Figure Collections and the first throwback style figure with a little bit of color, if you know what I mean. Buy the Nick Aldis limited to 100 pieces today at shop.figurecollections.com. You can also pre-order the rest of the Cello Toys Wrestling Megastars line at shop.figurecollections.com. And for UK fans, if you want to pre-order or purchase any Cello Toys action figures, head over to cellotoys.net. Pablo, this is your life. <laughs> well, what... 
Is it, does that technically count as a segue, or have you just thrown us in at the deep end? Um, <laughs> I've got round your house with a big red book, so we don't know yet. Uh, for our well, international yeah, fans, we think it might be the same in America, we're not sure, but this is your life TV programme. Some random host jumps upon unsuspecting celebrities with a massive red book and then takes them to a TV studio to tell them all about their life that they had forgotten about. <laughs> Well, it's such a weird thing, though, because it really was like your Lifetime Achievement Award. You were born. This is your mum. <laughs> Pretty much how it was, isn't it? This is your dad. You know, because we've been going, hey, hey, oh, eh, hey, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> all night. Um, you know, because this is nighttime when you're listening to this as well, I would hope, in the bath. Um, yep. uh, so, yeah, this is your life. Uh, they did one on Big Daddy. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, is well, you have to realize that they only did these for the tippy top UK stars that they could afford. <laughs> it's you know, true. They weren't it's getting true. any uh, movie stars, but they were getting like the top TV stars and theater and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, where did they catch up to Big Daddy? Was he halfway through a match? <laughs> he was the, the right. Big Daddy was doing a, a, a <laughs> pretend, you know, he was set to believe it was a, it was a photo shoot with loads of other world of sport-esque wrestlers in an adjacent studio in the right. same building. So he was on stage and there was a photographer there or anything. They were all on a, on a big, like almost like a theater stage, having photographs taken as a big group. It was a whole, after three, everybody shout, eh, or whatever it was. <laughs> everybody scream at the, you know, at the camera and, um, shoulda, shoulda. And, um, as they were doing that, Haystacks walked in and they were like, oh, here he is. He's always at the party kind of thing. Eh? And uh, he was walking on the stage and behind him was uh, the um, the presenter. It wasn't, as- it wasn't Aspel, was it? It was before no, it was that. Before, the, the chap before him. I've forgotten his name now. Um, and he was dressed in wrestling gear under a mask, I believe it was. And uh, as the photos were being taken, you could tell that Daddy was kind of looking over at this guy in this mask thing. And I don't know who he is, but obviously he must be, you know, a new a new guy that they're bringing into the promotion or something like that. Um, and he just looked over, and then um, you could just the, then the, the 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 guy, the host, then kind of as he was ta- kept his mask on and walked over to him and said, uh, "I know you know who that big man is there, but you don't know who I am, do you?" And uh, Daddy's like, "No, I don't know who are you." <laughs> kind, <laughs> kind of retort as if to say, "I don't know who you are. Who are you?" And um, and the young master he said, "Big Daddy." This is your life, and then all the all the wrestlers in the back sort of applauded. And he was like, "Eh, no, you're joking, no, eh, no." Um, it was it was a wonderful reveal, actually. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. He didn't have a clue, and you could tell he was humbled. Like it was great, yeah, it was really interesting. But, well, you uh, said everyone applauded apart from one who maintained kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, Haystacks. <laughs> Haystacks was an absolute legend. Everybody, including Nakazaki, I believe Nakazaki came out with them carrying his mask as well. You know, um, yes. on the stage in the show. But it was just how Haystacks held his stone face, and that that particular back and forth between them when um, when it was announced because everybody took a seat, etc., on stage, and. It was it was mentioned about Haystacks and Daddy and and the the presenter said to Haystacks, um, so can you what can you remember? Can you, can you, you know obviously you had a notable feud with Big Daddy and what what can you tell us about Big Daddy from your experiences with him Haystacks? And he said, well he was a formidable tough opponent, one of the toughest opponents I ever had, and uh, you know when we got together, it's fair to say that uh, it was fireworks. It was something along those kind of lines. Fireworks. Haystacks said. 
with his yeah. with his look, not necessarily word for word that, but that kind of thing, or it was going to go down or something like that. And Danny was just brilliant. He was he was in that that was all he needed to turn him into full on wrestle mode again. Where he looked at the crowd and went, eh, eh, he, he wants some, doesn't he? Eh, eh. It was just, oh, God, it was fantastic. He just turned into a showman. Even though he's in the middle of a This Is Your Life segment, he was like, right, rolling his sleeves up. <laughs> it was, it was eh? And that, the reason why we keep saying eh is because he kept saying it to the crowd throughout the thing. Every time something, there was an announcement or something happened, he kept looking at the crowd as if like there's a call and response, like a should, eh? eh? It was so good. So good. The particular highlight was uh, the the girl's life who we uh... <laughs> we saved. Oh, bloody hell! So yeah, was, oh. did she drown or something? And he saved she her. She was drowning, and he jumped yeah. in the sea to rescue her, and he legitimately <laughs> rescued her when he was a lifeguard and saved her life. And uh, the, 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 and he hadn't seen her, and I think it was like fifteen or twenty years or something when they when they carted her on the stage for "This Is Your Life." <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. But the. <laughs> Oh, it's hilarious because like he raises a hand, doesn't he? And he's like, "Oh, real champion, you know." She's the he, he pulls her arm off. Well, last because he's just you know, he puts her arm, arm in the air, and she's like, "Ah!" And you can tell she's stretching on one leg by this point. Just to try. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. But what what I love though is when the whole ensemble comes on, <laughs> she gets knocked right to the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the wrestlers crowded <laughs> there for that photo shoot. Oh, it was brilliant. No, I, I thoroughly, I absolutely loved uh, that. This is your life. It was one of the. Do you the think they keep the book? Because they get given like the book think, at the end, don't they? Yeah. I'd like to think they do. I'd like to think it's it's kept as a gimmick. You know what I mean? They get to keep it as a momentum, and I hope it's I hope it's properly scripted with photos in as well. <laughs> the presenter's reading it out. I would like to think it's like uh, you know when you get your graduation scroll and it's actually just a prop. There's nothing on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've got to check it out. It's on YouTube. It's it's so, it like, shitly British, but like in the best possible it was, uh, it was, way. It was Eamon Andrews, by the way, the original presenter. Eamon there Andrews you go. Or, um, Aspel. Um, it, it's it's fabulous. It's just yeah. It's it almost is the perfect way to wrap up British wrestling on this podcast. It's like it just it's it's almost like the one of the final kind of. And, and there we have it, and that that was and that was World of Sport, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? It was that kind of almost like yeah. a, a, the grand finale. You know, when you when you when you were are awarding somebody with the momentum and the sort of like an overview of their career and their life and everything like that. Um, let's be honest: to the biggest face in British wrestling ever, mm-hmm. people might argue Davy Boy. Fair enough, but Big Daddy on British TV for decades was the was was the biggest wrestling superstar name ever and for them to present him with a this is your life felt very much like um thank you all and good night to to almost to british wrestling i think it, yeah that's, oh is that fair to say um it, had, no, it was around that time frame so i think it's i think it's a a nod like i would say so and again i mean it, it's hard to you know, this is your life does exist in America or may not exist anymore, but it, it just it was like a validation that you're like the upper echelon of like British pop culture. Yeah. Um or or you or you're of that legendary status. You know what I mean? I guess the you know, not a fan of them, but the equivalent now is like when Piers Morgan does those life stories, it's yes, that kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, Piers Morgan, is... like for whatever you think, is a huge worldwide name. And you know, if he interviews you, it's kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? And um, and he only interviews 
well-known celebrities like yeah. on that show it's not like you interview you, you know you have to have a story to tell and you know hopefully we're captured a little bit of that on this show with the both of them because they're just wildly interesting lives you know when you look into the uh the 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 crab tree family tree of you know uh with max as a promoter and uh when you look into like you say big daddy's uh, sort of giant haystacks's career outside of england there's so much more than meets the eye with them and uh, definitely worth looking into a lot more absolutely couldn't agree more with you um what we'll do is we'll round up that there with big daddy and say head over to twitter to these are his official handles as well by the way the big daddy handles on twitter it's at big, big, daddy, daddy. big daddy handles <laughs> <laughs> it's uh at big daddy easy so it's big daddy easy as in e-a-s-y on instagram it's big daddy shirley crabtree and uh launching this week possibly in time for this show but if not keep checking back within this week Launching is www.shirleycrabtree.co.uk. The official, oh, official Big Daddy website is going to be about this week. Time. Like, having something like that is going to be wonderful. Yeah, it really will be. And seriously, get yourself onto that site as well as the handles for him and haystacks that I mentioned earlier um, to learn more about them. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing this show today. But before we leave, we'll quickly just give you a bit of an update on where we're standing with the cella toy box competition because it's going to be an absolute beauty i know we sort of teased it ever so slightly um last last episode and i'm going to tease it a little bit more today i think i think that's uh, what we're going to do um we're going to be running a competition over the next few weeks and that competition is going to be simply simply put that competition is going to be uh, a box of absolute joy from cello toys we're going to give you each week a little snippet of a clue or a bit of information of what you need to do so as of next week you'll see it'll be up and running soon on the on the cello toys um twitter handle at cello toys on their pinned tweet will be the information that you need to know of how to enter how to enter the cello toys toy box competition there's going to be a range of different prizes in there. I'll say now that the first prize that we're going to be putting into this competition is a Cella Toys Hayabusa action figure. Nice. That's toy number one in the toy box competition. Hayabusa, incredible action figure that everybody knows is it's going to be in your hands very, very soon, actually, because as of this podcast, we know that the uh, Hayabusa figure is uh, en route and uh, you will you will be it will be sitting in your collection incredibly incredibly soon so um keep your eyes on the post box everybody but the first prize in the cello toys box is going to be the Hayabusa figure it's all we're going to tell you at the moment there's going to be more prizes added to it as the weeks go on but keep your eyes open on the at cello toys twitter handle on the pinned tweet because further information will be made available soon of how to enter. All you've got to do to start off with is make sure you're following at Cello Toys and at Grapple Arcade on Twitter. Once you've got those two handles followed, then it's just a simple case of looking at the tweets and listening to the show over the upcoming weeks, and you'll find out what other prizes are going to be added and what you need to do. All right? I'm going to leave you with that thought. Stay tuned. 
We'll be back with you very, very soon because we're going to have a hell of a lot more of these episodes upcoming. We've got some fantastic episodes planned, penciled and pre-recorded. It's going to be so much fun. We can't wait to let you know about some of the things and some of the, some of the, oh, that's all I can say. That's all I can say for now. Um, keep your eyes on cellotoys.net. Keep your eyes on at cellotoys on Twitter. We'll speak to you all very, very soon, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Good night. See you soon.